Good morning. If you would, go ahead and grab a Bible. We'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. We will begin in that place in just a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Good to see you this morning. As I mentioned earlier, we have a number of visitors with us because of different uh, events and graduations and uh, different reasons for people coming to town. And uh, we're glad that you're here and can worship with us and visit with us. And if you're visiting here and you're from the community or you're new to the community and you're curious about what we do or anything about this church, we just love to talk to you about that. We're glad that you're here. Uh, We have some uh, men passing out some of these uh, sheets that go along with the lesson that we're going to study for a few minutes this morning. So uh, I learned when I first started preaching that when there are people standing up in the audience, People are not going to look at me. Uh, We had a couple of occasions where we had people faint while I was preaching. I don't think it was related, but I'm not sure. And um, boy, I found out really quickly that uh, it's a disorienting thing when you're preaching and no one is looking at you. Uh, So I'll wait for those guys to finish up. But you can go ahead and make your way to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. The sheet that you're being given, and I did it again. I forgot to get one for myself, of course. Uh, The sheet that you've been given has some blanks uh, so that you can follow along in the lesson. It is a lesson that is directed and about young people, but of course these truths are for all of us and it will benefit all of us, but this will be a guide to help you follow along and to help you know how much longer you have before I'm done. Uh, So it can serve both of those uses. But we're going to start in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, so you can fill in that first blank there. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 says... Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So Paul is concerned that people are going to despise Timothy for his youth. And as a young man, Timothy's going to be preaching, and some people are going to ignore him or look down on him because he is young. The issue is, don't let them despise your youth. So please understand, when you read that text, it does not mean you need to lecture everybody about you shouldn't look down your nose at young people. That is not the idea. The idea is, Timothy, you live in such a way that they don't have anything to despise. Instead, he says in verse 12, you set the believers an example. You be an example of believers. And I believe this passage is interesting because it reveals a tension. The tension is that very often people have low expectations of young people. They look down on them. They don't think they have much to offer. They don't think very highly of them. In fact, for many people, youth seems to be a time just to be survived. And that hopefully, the young people will just grow out of all the problems that they have, and someday they'll be worth something. And so there are very low expectations for many people, but I want to show you that God has very high expectations. And that's the goal of the lesson this morning. So this text shows you that. Don't let them despise your youth, but instead you be an example. God sees people, and young people particularly, differently than others see them. So we're going to talk for a few minutes this morning about what God thinks of our young people. And I just want to take this moment and say, young people... There are a lot of voices out there telling you who you are and what you should care about and where you should go. But as Christians, we listen to God first, and we let God set our agenda and our way of thinking. And so I want to present you with some thoughts from Scripture about what God thinks of you and how you should be thinking of yourself in light of that fact. 
So, to begin with, we will say this. God thinks highly of you. God thinks highly of you. So go ahead and fill that out on your, your little sheet. Now, I, I think we don't have to go far to prove that. I think verse 12 proves that, what we just read, where he says, don't let anyone despise your youth, but be an example, that you can be an example to your Christian brothers and sisters of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Set the believers an example in speech, that young people can be an example in how they talk, in conduct, your way of life, in love, in the, the relationships that you have with other people, and the way you show kindness to them, in faith, in purity, that the way you live your life can be an example to others. And that's what God thinks you can do. He, he says that to a young man because God thinks highly of young people. Let's go over to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read here Luke 1, verses 16 and 17. Luke 1, verses 16 and 17. Now, what we're going for here is that one of the reasons we know God thinks highly of young people is because when God sets an example or an ideal of what his people should be, very often that ideal is described as young people. Look in Luke 1 and verse 16. This is where the angel is talking to Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist. Luke 1 and 16, it says, He, John the Baptist, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So he says he is going to come before Jesus and he's going to prepare the people. And one of the ways that preparation is described to try to get the people woken up for Jesus is he says in verse 17 there, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now that's a strange phrase, isn't it? What does that mean? To turn? Are we supposed to make people younger? Are we going to change hearts? Some people have said, oh, is this about reconciliation in families or something like that? I believe the idea is very simple. I believe that John is going to soften people's hearts and change their spirits so that when Jesus comes, they'll be ready. He's going to make them like children, ready to receive, ready to listen. So he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers that have grown hard to the hearts of children. God thinks highly of you because when God says, this is what I want my people to be, he says, I want my people to be like kids. This is Matthew 18, verses 1 to 4. You can go ahead and put that in your blank there. Matthew 18, 1 to 4. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So they're asking which one of us is the greatest, and Jesus says, oh, this kid is the greatest. Be like the kid. And that's startling for many reasons. For one, he wasn't, doesn't appear to have been one of the disciples at all. But mainly, it's startling because in the ancient world, nobody paid attention to kids. Nobody cared about kids. Put them off to the side. Get them out of the way. Adults are talking. And Jesus says, no, no, bring the kid here. Do you see the kid? This is what I want you to be like. You need to turn and become like children. I know God thinks highly of children because he tells his people to be like children. So, young people, God sees you differently 
than a lot of people see you. And God has expectations of you and goals for you. In fact, God thinks of you in that very positive way that we've seen. I want you to look with me in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings 3 tells the story of a man who is a young man, but the power of it is in that he realizes how young he is. 1 Kings chapter 3. And we're going to read 1 Kings 3, verses 3 through 9. 1 Kings 3, 3 through 9. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. 1 Kings 3 and verse 4 now. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept, him, kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? So Solomon is a young man, and he's become king. But he also acknowledges that. Did you see that in verse 7? He says, I am but a little child. You made me king even though I'm just a kid. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. You know what that means? That means I don't know the first thing about what I'm doing. I don't know how to run a country. I don't know how to be king. So give me wisdom so I can know. So it is, it's not just that Solomon is a young man. It's that in his youth, he acknowledges his youth. He has the humility to say, I don't know what I'm doing. So, God thinks highly of young people, particularly because he sees in young people that kind of humility. So, young people, this is that last sentence there under this point number one, young people are examples. They are examples of freshness, okay, freshness meaning energy. They are examples of humility, And they are examples of innocence. God sees young people as examples of freshness, of humility, and of innocence. In a person like Solomon, who has the energy to go rule the kingdom, who has the humility to know, I don't know what I'm doing, and the innocence to say, I'm just going to do the best I can to trust God, and God can help me. In all of those things, young people are examples to us. So... What that means, young people, is that there's not something wrong with you or lacking in you. It's that you have a lot to offer. In fact, I would say those of us who are older have a lot to learn from you. I don't say that to make you proud. I say that to say you have something to offer. So just remember, while the world might brush you aside, that God thinks highly of you. Second, God wants you to be thoughtful about life. God wants you to be thoughtful about life. God wants all his people to think, but particularly God wants young people to think. 
And in that way, God's expectation is also very different from the world's expectation of young people. Turn with me a few pages over to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings 12. We're going to read here 1 Kings 12, verses 6 through 11. Verses 6 through 11. We're going to read about another king who is Solomon's son. 1 Kings 12 and verse 6. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? So, time out. What's happened is the people after Solomon's death have come to his son. He is going to be king. And they said, your dad was hard on us. Please make it easier on us. If you make it easy on us, we'll follow you. But if you don't, we're worried about what's going to happen. And so Rehoboam turns to his advisors. First, the verse we just read, he turns to the old men who knew his dad. So he says, how should we answer this people? Verse 7, they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then you will be your, they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, Why, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to his people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So he has an opportunity here to get some good advice, to listen to older people and then to listen to younger people. He has a choice to make. And Rehoboam decides, I'm not going to listen to the voice of wisdom. I'm just going to do what my friends want to do. And he ends up dividing the kingdom. In fact, it doesn't even seem like a very fair division. Ten of the twelve tribes leave. So Rehoboam makes a huge error here because he is not careful and not thoughtful about his life. So as a young man, he makes a foolish decision. You will make foolish decisions. Please, don't make foolish decisions because you're not thinking. It is one thing to think that I'm doing the right thing and then discover later that I've made a bad choice. It is another to not be thoughtful, to fly by the seat of my pants through life and not learn and not think and not ask. God wants you to be thoughtful about life and avoid mistakes like those of Rehoboam. This is Ecclesiastes 11, 9, and 12, 1. In Ecclesiastes 11.9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Then he says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. You can fill that in on your sheet there. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. It's fun to be young. That's what he says, rejoice in your youth. Because youth has all these opportunities, possibilities, you have energy, you have time. There is so much about life that you have yet to experience. And so Solomon says, rejoice, enjoy it. That's what it's for. But, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Don't forget, don't forget that everything you do is going to be judged by God. 
Don't forget that this time in your life won't last very long. But sometimes the consequences of the choices you make in this time do last a long time. But no, this is the time, he says, to remember your creator before the evil days come. Does that sound scary? What he is saying is, there are going to be times in your life that are harder to remember your creator, harder to serve the Lord. There are going to be times that if you establish habits and friendships now, that when the, they reach the point where you want to change and serve the Lord, it's going to be much harder. Remember your creator now. Be thoughtful about your life. Christian young people view life differently than others. We know that there are consequences for our actions. We know that now, and we know that in eternity. We know that there are some things that are bad for us, and that the Bible calls those things things like youthful lusts, things that are particularly applicable or tempting for us when we are young. We know that God is watching out for us and what's good for us, and he warns us against things that are going to be hard, but he also tells us that there are times when we're going to be tempted to do evil. We know all of that. So some in our audience this morning are graduating, ready to move on to a new stage in life, ready to go to school, ready to go into the military, ready to go off to other places to pursue jobs. Don't forget. This is a time to be thoughtful and careful. Rejoice, but know. Rejoice, but remember who you belong to. Think about your life and think about it in that critical way. What do I mean by think about your life? I want to look at another passage here. It's Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18, and we're going to read verses 14 to 18. Ezekiel 18, 14 to 18. Ezekiel 18 and verse 14 says, Now suppose this man fathers a son who sees all the sins that his father has done. He sees and does not do likewise. So you can kind of hear in the language what's happening. He has described an evil man who now has a child. And that child sees the evil of his father and decides he's not going to live that way. Verse 15, He does not eat upon the mountains or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife, does not oppress anyone, exacts no pledge, commits no robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment, withholds his hand from iniquity, takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules and walks in my statutes. He shall not die for his father's iniquity. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity." So here you have a son who looks at his dad's life. He grew up with his dad. He's seen what his dad does. Maybe his dad brought him along on some of these missions to do evil. And he looks at them and he says, you know what? I don't want that. I want to live a different way. I want to do better than what my dad did. That is being thoughtful about life. And so he patterns his life around a different standard. He says, I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to go do all those things that were so damaging to my dad. Instead, I'm going to be a different man than my dad was. He shall surely live. And that process is being thoughtful about life. This is an amazing thing. Young people, you get to observe 
so many people, people all around you, and the way they are living and how that goes. You can just look, just watch. Some of those are, are people who maybe are, go to school with you or your age. Some of them are maybe a little older than you. Some of them maybe are people that are older. And you can say, wow, how did this go when they pursued this? How did that work out? All right, so you can say, well, how did it go when somebody got into drugs or alcohol? How did that turn out for them? Where did that path end up? How did it go when somebody was promiscuous when they were younger? You know, is that, is that the path I want to pursue? And you look at it and you see, well, where did that lead? And is that the kind of choice I want to make? What happened when people started running with a bad crowd? You know, was that something that just kind of grew out of and left off? Or is that something that, that affected the rest of their lives? And you can look at each of those choices and you can say, wow, I think I want to do differently than that. I can make my life into the kind of life I want by observing how other people have made a mess of theirs. What a blessing that is. That's what Ezekiel is talking about here. Being able to say, I'd rather not. The soul that sins shall die. I'd rather not go down that path. Be thoughtful about your life, even though you're young. And I might just mention, by the way, that that is precisely what those who are a little older than you are doing. Those who are a little older than you have not chosen, I'm talking about here in this church, have not chosen the life that we have chosen just because we've never sinned or because we think we're better than everybody else. It very much is, we've seen a whole lot of people go down the path of sin and we've gone down it too. And we know, I don't want any more of that. I want to live a different life and I want to raise my kids to live a different life because there's nothing but pain and suffering down that road. You get to make those choices too. So, God wants you to be thoughtful about life. So be thoughtful and think critically. I'm on your blank here, so write that in your blank. Think critically. That's what I see here in Ezekiel 18. Being able to look and say, you know, just because I know this person well doesn't mean they made good choices. Just because they're in my family doesn't mean I want to follow them. That's what the Ezekiel 18 man is doing. He is thinking critically about life. If I do this, I'll become that person, and that's not the person I want to be. Ask questions. Ask questions. Why am I here? What is the point of my life? Where am I headed? What kind of people am I surrounding myself with? And what kind of people are they going to be? Who do I want to be? What kind of person will this decision make me? Ask questions so that you can be thoughtful about life. But perhaps most importantly, develop your own faith. What do you think? What do you believe? What is right as you understand it? God wants you to have a faith. Please hear me. God wants you to have a faith that is influenced by your parents, but not dependent on your parents. So that they help you lay a foundation so that someday you can build a house. Develop your faith, influenced by them, but not dependent on them. So, if it's just you, it's just your faith, then the question becomes, it's just your life. Are you going to be a consistent worshiper? Are you going to get mixed up in pornography? Are you going to study the Bible for yourself? Are you going to surround yourself with evil people? 
What kind of person are you going to be? What kind of faith are you going to develop in yourself? God wants you to be thoughtful about life. And the third thing is that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Let's go to 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22. We're going to read here about Josiah. Second Kings chapter 22. Josiah is a young man that God used. Second Kings 22, beginning in verse 1. The text says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So I want you to notice how old Josiah was when he began to reign. He was eight years old. He was a little boy when he began to reign. And yet the text says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the way of David his father. Now, a little further in verse 3... It says, in the 18th year of King Josiah. That means he was 26 years old. So when what's about to happen occurred, he was 26 years old when he found the book of the law in the temple. So down in verse 11, it says, when they find the book of the law in the temple, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Agbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So here is a 26 year old man. He is a young man. He has been reigning for 18 years. He's been trying to do what's right. But as they clean up the temple, they find the book of the law. Can you imagine? They didn't even know where the book of the law was. And they find it, and they read it to the king, and the king tears his clothes. Here is my question. Do you think an older king would have had the same response? He is upset. He is devastated. Look at the mistakes we've made. Look at what we've done. Let's just beg God to forgive us because we have not done right. We've neglected him and we've disobeyed him. Now, I'm not saying that character only happens among the young. I'm saying it's awfully easy as we get older, isn't it, to sort of justify, well, that's just the way things are. Oh, we found the book of the law. Oh, well, we don't really do that anymore, you know. Book of the law, that's kind of, kind of old stuff. We just kind of make it work. You know, we, we got our own little system. And so to begin to justify ourselves and explain away these kinds of convictions, but with someone who is a young man, God not only convicts him, but God also uses him. If you read chapter 23, it's all about what Josiah did from then on to reform the kingdom. He makes a covenant with God. He breaks down all the altars of Baal and Asherah and all the foreign gods that had taken over the land. Something happened in Judah, and God used an 8-year-old boy who became a 26-year-old boy to accomplish it. That's what I mean when I say God wants to use you. In fact, God uses young people with powerful effect throughout the Bible. 
God uses Joseph, the young man who is sold into slavery and works and works and works and is finally elevated in Egypt. God uses that young man to protect his people and really to save the world from the, the famine that comes. God uses Daniel and his three friends as an example of how he is going to provide for his people in a foreign land. They are the ones who stand up to Nebuchadnezzar. They are the ones who preserve faith while the, the, uh, Jude, the people of Judah are in Babylon. They are used by God. And God uses Timothy, like we read about in the beginning, to do good work in preaching the gospel in Ephesus on behalf of Jesus. And I want to remind you that it is an honor to be used by God. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It's on your sheet there. It says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. So think about a great house and all the different kinds of dishes there would be. And he says, you know, there's some everyday dishes, and then there are the special dishes, the unique dishes. Some of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. It's an awesome picture. It has God, the Father, as the master of the house, and he's got all these tools at his disposal. And at any moment, which ones are set aside, ready for special work? And he says, your job is to cleanse yourself so that God can take you in his hand and use you in the way that he made you to be used. It is an honor to be used by God. It is an honor to have God see of all the people in the world, that I have some special gift that he has given me, some special opportunity, and God says, it's time for Jacob to be used. What better purpose could there ever be for our lives than to be used by God? And then in Matthew 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, as people are used by God, God receives glory, not people. It's no longer about, wow, that Jacob is really special, that so-and-so, look at what they can do, look how great they are. It is instead, no, this is the God who gave me these gifts and is using me to his glory and not mine. So, young people have great unique energy and power and influence. God has been using it for centuries, and he wants to use you too. So there are some people that you know, people who are your age or in your school or on your sports teams or your friends, and the question is, who will influence them toward God? Who do you know? Who in your life, knowing those people, who is going to influence them toward God? Why not you? So, what talents do I have? Mark that down on your sheet there. What talents do I have? Think about what it is that is unique to you or what it is that you excel at. Think about the gifts God has given you and how God might be ready to use those things. Your kindness, your ability to talk to other people, your inclusiveness, your intelligence, your leadership, your humor. God can use what you bring to the table. 
Think about what your talents and opportunities are and be honest about it. Be humble about it, but be honest. What is it that God has given you? And then think about what good can I do to the people that I know? What good can I do? I know that's what God is thinking of you. He is thinking of good he wants to do in the world, and he has all these tools at his disposal, and you are one of them. What good can I do? How can I be a tool in God's hand? God wants to use you. So what good can I do in that usage? I want to close by saying this. There have always been people who have despised young people and looked down on them and viewed them as unimportant. And I want you to know that that is still happening. I want you to know, young people, that there are people in this world who believe that you will not serve the Lord unless you are sort of bribed to do it. That you're not going to be interested in coming to church unless you're constantly given pizza and Xboxes. There are people in this world who are convinced that if you go to college, you're going to lose your faith. And that there's just no way that a young person could emerge from that crucible with an intact faith. And I want you to know, I don't believe that. In fact, when I was young and I realized that people thought those things about me, they kind of made me angry. Because they're kind of insulting. But I want you to know that God views you differently. That God wants you to develop the kind of thoughtful, caring faith that he wants all of his people to develop. And I want you to know that God can use you in a powerful way if you will surrender yourself to him. I want to close by asking the question, young people, are you thinking about your soul? Are you thinking about your relationship with God? Because this invitation is not just for those who are older. It's for all of those who are of an age where they can come to faith in Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus died to take away sin. Do you need to give your life to him? To be baptized into Christ and have your sins washed away? Do you need this invitation to come and make that need known so that we can help you become a Christian today? Is there anyone here who needs to respond? Please come to the front as we stand and sing to encourage you.